and to Jesus be the glory today and the honor and all the praise and gospel people said, Amen. Thank you for joining me today. A beautiful Monday and a great week. I am going to be teaching on the reasons for the visible return of the Lord Jesus to earth. What does the Bible say about why the Lord is returning? So make sure to share this with your friends. And by the way, thank you for being my wonderful partner. I really, really mean that. Thank you for being my wonderful family, my friends. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to show us today. I give you the praise for your word and the blessedness of your word to our lives. To you belongs the glory, all the honor, all the majesty. And God's people said, Amen. All right, let's begin with the first one. Matthew 25. I'm going to read beginning at verse... In fact, I'm going to read uh, beginning at verse 31. So it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Now, this, when you read it, he's coming, number one, to judge the world for the way they treated the church, or mistreated the church. Now remember, when the Lord returns, many will still be alive on on the earth, because not all humanity will die during the Great Tribulation. Many will, of course, maybe even most, but many will still be alive. And the Lord is going to deal with them. He's going to judge them on the way they have dealt with his people. So that's the first thing we see in the Bible on why is Jesus coming back? The real reasons for his return. I shared with you last week seven reasons for the rapture. Now we're going to talk about reasons for the visible return of the Lord. So the return of the Lord happens in two stages. Stage number one, for the church, the rapture as we call it, or the great catching up which happens before the tribulation. And then after the tribulation, seven years later, the Lord returns in the visible return, when every eye will see him. Remember, he comes first and only the church will see him. And we will see him in the air. No one else will see the Lord except the church. When he returns to earth, all eyes, every eye will see him. So the Bible makes it very clear that he is coming to reign on the earth as king and deal with the nations on the way they dealt with his people. Number two. Number two is found in Zechariah. Let's go to the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament in chapter 14, verse 1 through verse 4. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, 
and the city shall be taken, and the house is rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. So the Lord is coming Number one, to deliver Israel from her enemies. And this will be a time of great war against Israel by the Antichrist. And nations aligned with Antichrist to restore Israel, there will be judged, but Israel will be saved. That's the second reason for the coming of the Lord to judge the nations that came against Israel with Antichrist and to deliver Israel. So that's number two. And it is so powerful when you read it. Wow. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem. Blessed be his name forever. All right, now, Uh, Number three is in Zechariah chapter 8. I'm giving you what the Bible says about the visible coming of the Lord. Uh, We're going to read verse 3 and then verse 7 and 8. Thus says the Lord, I am returned unto Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. And then verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country. And I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. So the Lord is coming to gather the outcasts of Israel from the east and from the west to Jerusalem. What a glorious day that will be when the Lord will restore Israel. So, number one, he's coming to judge the nations for the way they dealt with the church. Number two, he's coming also to destroy Antichrist and his armies for wanting to destroy Israel and to save Israel from Antichrist. Number three, he's coming to gather the outcasts of Israel from all over the globe. And they will live in Jerusalem. And he says, I will save, verse 7, I will save my people from the east country, from the west country, 
and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. To him be the praise. Now, let's go to Romans 11. Romans 11 gives us the next reason the Lord is coming. And so it says in Romans eleven twenty six. I love this verse. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Well, let's read verse 26 also. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. The Lord is coming to take all ungodliness out of Israel. All Israel shall be saved. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant when I shall take away their sins. What a beautiful reason the Lord is returning. So think about this. He's coming to judge the world for the way they treated his people, the church. He's coming to deliver Israel from Antichrist and save them. He's coming to bring the outcasts back and then he's coming to save them. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Now let's look at Malachi. In the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3. Behold, I will send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me. That's John the Baptist. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Now that's already been fulfilled in the first coming of the Lord when he did go into the temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? So the first verse deals with the first coming of the Lord Jesus. Now we see the second, uh, the second verse and third verse that happens at the second coming of the Lord Jesus. But who may abide the day of his coming? Because see, this talks about the day of his coming, meaning the second coming. Who shall, who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He shall sit as a refiner, and a purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So the Lord is also coming to refine and purify Israel like silver in the fire. Not only to save them, but to to purify them. 
I want you to think about what I'm saying to you. The reasons for the visible coming of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I hope you've been writing them down. Let me show you another reason. Uh, and that's found in Second Timothy. Let's go to Second Timothy. And let's go to chapter 4. And let's go to verse 1. It says, I charge thee therefore. Paul is charging Timothy. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. And his kingdom. So we, we saw the first part of the reasons for his return. To destroy Antichrist, to save Israel. To gather Israel. Now to bring salvation to Israel. To bring purification to Israel. But there's another reason why he's coming. He's coming here, it says, to judge the living and the dead. Meaning to judge the world. Notice that the, 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 the first things I've given you all deal with the Jewish people. He's coming for Israel. To deliver them, save them, regather them, bring salvation to them, refine them, and so on. Now, he's coming to judge the whole world. So after Israel is perfected, he will come to judge the world, the living and the dead. Now, we the church are going to return with him and... The Bible has a lot to say about the visible return of the Lord. Let's let's go to Revelation chapter 20 that gives us a little more about what I just mentioned to judge the living and the dead. And that's uh, Revelation 20 verse 11. It's in verse 12. It says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into into the lake of fire. Very sobering when you read it. Now, this last part here, is going to happen after the millennium. So the Lord is coming to judge the world. But when is this going to happen? What I just read in Revelation 20. When is God going to judge the quick and the dead, like Timothy says? It's going to happen after the thousand-year reign is complete. So the church is raptured, 
seven years of tribulation, the Lord returns visibly to earth to deliver Israel, to regather Israel, to save Israel, to refine Israel. And now the, the word of God says he will judge the nations, but we have to understand this happens a thousand years after the millennium. So God is going to take care of Israel, save them, purify them, and so on, before the thousand years begin. So they will also live righteously during the thousand-year reign of Jesus. Then after the thousand years, the Lord will judge the world. Um, There's a lot about this in the Word of God. Uh, In Jude, for example, let's go to the book of Jude, and let's look at verse 14 and verse 15. It says, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all or to convict all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So the Lord is coming also to execute judgment and to convict the ungodly, to show, to show them their way of all their works of ungodliness, which they have ungodly committed, and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, this is a very important point. The Lord is going to bring such beauty and such peace and such prosperity to the earth for a thousand years. The people who will still be alive when the Lord returns, the nations, will live under the most beautiful reign of the Lord Jesus. Imagine no demons running around, Satan bound in a pit for a thousand years, no wars, no disease, no poverty, no trouble of any sort. And yet they will rebel. Why the millennium? The millennium is going to be the time when Jesus will rule the earth, David will rule Israel from Jerusalem, we the church will rule with the Lord, the nations, and judge the nations. Now, also, the Lord will will cause the millennium to happen to show the world their wickedness because they're going to live under such perfection and still rebel. So God will not send anyone to the lake of fire till he proves to them, you still rebelled under perfect conditions. So you can't blame the devil for it. He wasn't around. You can't blame demons. They're not around. You can't blame 
sickness, disease, because there'll be none, or poverty, or whatever problems, they won't exist. Because the human heart in, in their core is evil. Because Jeremiah wrote, the heart is wicked, desperately wicked. Because that's what happened at the fall, when Adam fell into sin. He, be, he, he turned against the Lord. He chose self and the ways of the, of the enemy. But we have to understand why the millennium, the, the millennium will be to restore Israel and to show the world, to convict them, to convince them. That's what it means here, to convince all the ungodly, meaning to show them for a whole thousand years, you still can't live righteously. You still cannot live obeying God. So he's going to execute judgment righteously. He's going to convince the world that they're still ungodly. He's going to judge those who've spoken hard things against him, it says. And when have they spoken those things? In life and in the millennium. They're going to still speak against God. So, um, in Isaiah 26, Isaiah describes the, the destruction and the punishment that will come upon the nations. He says, the Lord comes out, this is verse 21, Isaiah 26, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Wow. Now, we will be judged for our work. We, the church, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for our work, not our sin, because our sins are forgiven and forgotten. Think about this one. I will not remember your sins anymore. God remembers everything except the sins of his people. He will remember what ungodly people have said and did against him. But when you are born again, God says, I will not remember your sins. There's one thing God cannot remember, will not remember, the sin of the godly, the sins of the righteous, because they're forgiven. But the sins of the ungodly will not be forgotten. They will, they will be remembered. What a blessed Lord. He who remembers everything. He who knows our thoughts are far off. Has decided not to remember our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And one more thing that I want to show you. And that is in Second Thessalonians. And these are all results of the coming of the Lord. Why, why is it returning? Second Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 7 through verse 9. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ 
who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Think about that. Everlasting destruction. That destruction will continue eternally from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. The presence of the Lord builds the church and destroys the sinner. The same presence and glory that will transform us into his image will judge the world. Remember, when Israel was coming through the Red Sea, it says the cloud stood between them and the Egyptians. And to Israel, it was bright glory and light. To the Egyptians, it was darkness. So what is light to us is darkness to them. Paul talks about the aroma of life and death in Corinthians. What brings us life brings the sinner death. That's the word of God. I'm going to continue more tomorrow. There's so much more I want to share with you. I'm not really done. There's a little bit more I want to share. But I'm going to wait till tomorrow. And, and please, you know, tell your friends about these teachings I'm bringing. Because I think it's so important to know what the Word of God says about the visible return of the Lord. Lord, bless them. Strengthen them. Prepare them for your coming. For that glorious day we call the rapture. Your glorious return to us and for us. And Lord, I pray each one of us will be blameless on that day. Now meet every need, answer every prayer, hear every cry of the heart. And Lord, give them their heart's desires. In Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. Listen, you can send me your prayer requests to Pastor Benny at bennyhin.org. Uh, many of you put your prayer requests in the comments, which is good too. But when you send an email, then we're, we're able to see it, uh, the staff can can see it a little easier for them. So you, you can do that. And don't don't forget to ask for our newsletter by going to our website. Now it's time to give to the Lord's work. Remember, every day I ask you to give because really it's God's command. It's His precious word. And He promised to bless us, to reward us, to increase us on every side. It says, Though thy beginning was small, thy latter end will greatly, greatly increase. So God wants to bless you financially, way more than you can handle it. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. There will not be room enough to receive it. How does it happen? When we obey the Lord. When we sow seed in the work of the Lord, then He blesses us financially. So you can give right now and help me keep doing what I'm doing also. And God will bless you for it. You can so on the you can give right there on the platform you're watching me on, or you can go to Benihin.org, our website, or simply text BHM four five seven seven seven. Much love to you and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye.